Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family, and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. Well, we are so excited to have Hillary Haybear in the studio with us today. Hillary, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about your decision? What motivated you to launch into the homeschool journey last year? Um, well, for one, uh, we had uh, the quarantine and um, that actually I had just put my my kids were in private school. So what I was doing was paying an extreme amount of money to teach them at home. And so um, we finished out the year. And at that point, I had already decided I was going to do homeschool because there weren't really any other options that I was okay with. Um, And then I heard your conversation with Pastor Jurgen, and I was like, my prayers are being answered. Even though I didn't actually pray them, it was just a desire in my heart for when I had searched for a private school for my kids. I was like, I need a school like our church. And we there's just not one that existed. So I was on board right away with that. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And you were one of the first parents to jump in the classroom, volunteer, instead of like dropping off your kids and running as far away as you could, <laughs> what um, you really started to understand right away. I remember just looking at your face and you just right away got what we were trying to build. Was it a moment where everything shifted for you? Was it a, a single epiphany or gradual over time? Talk us through that journey. Well, I think originally I was with the rest of the parents dropping them off. I didn't realize it was supposed to be a parent and child environment. And so when a parent pointed that out to me and said, you know, at the other campuses that there's moms staying all day. And I was like, oh, really? And then I I realized all the other moms might not be able to do that. But I was in a situation working from a laptop, I could just bring my laptop there. And so that's really what got me there. And I, um, I mean, <laughs> I originally you know, sat down. I didn't know if I was supposed to be in the classroom or if I was supposed to be like hanging outside of the room. So I just jumped right into class. And um, yeah, that's kind of where it all began being in the classroom with them. Yeah. And I think so many of our educational systems, you know, there's this whether spoken or unspoken pressure for parents not to be involved. I mean, in the public school, it's obviously spoken. They literally say, you know, parents would walk in and their kids were on Zoom and they say, you're not allowed. The teachers will say, you're not allowed in the room as a parent, you know, trying to And so this anti-parent, anti-family movement. And so even coming out of that, you know, that can be disorienting to think, wait, I'm welcome in the classroom. Wait, I'm welcome. This is a partnership with parents. It's really such a a whole new model. Well, I'm super excited to have you in for a number of reasons. And I loved that you just jumped right in and helped in the classroom. That was just such a beautiful thing to see. But two of the most common questions that I get from parents who are considering a parent-directed model, they ask me, what if I work, which my listeners know, I've shared my testimony about how I work full time the whole time and went to grad school while I was educating my kids. Um, and then what if I'm a single parent? I hear that one all the time. Like, how do I do that? And 
obviously not easy, but you're a walking testimony. You check both of these boxes and you were able to make it work. So talk about first how you broke free of that. I can't. I hear that. I can't. You know, our church is so great about breaking off victim mindedness, which mm-hmm. we've talked about in this in this show before. Pastor Leanne would say uh, lang- complaining is the language of victim mindedness, you know, victimhood. And so you initially you obviously got to a place where you just said, I'm breaking that off that I can't. And then what have been kind of your secrets of success in juggling all those roles? Because it is a lot. I. I came to a place where um, I think it was actually we were at one of the mom tribe meetings where we had all the homeschool moms together and we we're just doing a training. And Audra said something about you have to start putting your needs aside and focusing on your children if you're really going to do this. And I just came to a point where I said, I have to do this. Like if I'm going to be the best person for the job, I'm the one who's going to care. And if it, no one else is going to do as good of a job as I am for my children, I'm going to pour into them. I'm going to believe in them. I'm going to correct them. And I'm going to have no fear in doing that. And so it, once I made that decision to just be all in for my kids and all in about the homeschool um, environment and just the process, um, I mean, the moment I made the decision, God just backed me up 100%. He gave, he gave me the courage. He gave me the patience. Um, and he just helped uh, bring forth the things that may have gotten in the way. For instance, like the, the first semester of school was pretty tough. Um, we had to unlearn school, what society, what the, the secular world um, paints a picture of as what should be the proper structure and the proper education um, curriculum. Like we had to unlearn all of that. So it was quite a battle going through that and really um, stepping into um a place where we could learn together. We learned together. Like we grew together in this process. So sorry, I don't know if I <laughs> I love that. Well, I love got that. Away from the I do though because I loved what you talked about about the sacrifice piece because yeah. it is and I think it's so antithetical to everything we're taught in the culture. It's a very me-driven culture, you know, the spirit of hedonism reigns, you know, and me 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 kind of thing. And so to be in an environment where we have to learn to sacrifice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in her book No Ordinary Child, my friend Denise says I die daily. You know, that's a that's that whole, yeah. you know, function and and learning to serve and learning to be part of a, you know, something much bigger than ourselves. And I love that you really jumped in and broke off that I can't, it's impossible mindset. And that gave room for God to do some incredible things in your life and in your family, which we're going to talk about really soon as well. And let's talk a little bit about some of the differences in terms of habits of the heart that you see in your home. You know, We've talked on the show before about George Barna's stats on uh, millennials. First of all, I think a couple weeks ago, we talked about the 6% of millennials have a biblical worldview. Six, that's 94% that don't. So, you know, we're walking into an environment where parents are trying to, parents who maybe have not been taught to be biblically literate themselves are now trying to teach their children. And so um, one of his studies that I think is one of the most profound studies is where he says that less than 10% of Christian families, Christian families read the Bible together at home. And, you know, we never want to believe that about our amazing friends and the people who are around, but it is a culture where people haven't been taught to disciple their kids. And so, I'll, you know, you saw early on the, the numbers around us where 
parents were saying, hey, wow, I never realized I was not doing this. I was hoping somebody else was doing it. And and a lot of parents will tell me they've been so focused on sports or academics, they realize one day, wow, I have not been discipling my own children. So how do you intentionally prioritize your time around that construct of keeping God first in your education? Um, well, being at home and um, working and doing the schooling, I we've just, I've made God and Jesus family members in our home. So <laughs> when it it comes to uh, the kids needing me and say I'm working at the moment and there's um, it's something I can't necessarily step away from in that moment. I always, it's something we just go to first as a default and we say, hey, did you actually talk to God and ask him to um, help you with this thing? And God comes through every time. He shows up every time and all they have to do is, um, you know, just be reminded that he's there for them. And so he is the father in our house. Um, he's always um, carrying the weight that I'm feeling that I'm unable to carry. And um, and we just thank Jesus for it every day because um, he really, you know, he's, he's just, um, he's everything to us. And uh, I think people don't always they usually go to him as a last resort and we just use him as a first one. So it's, uh, we never have any issue. Like, well, of course we have normal issues, but I mean like, um, with making it work, he always makes it work. It always works out somehow, even though it feels like it might not be so beautiful. Yeah. He's always working. He's always working behind the scenes and yes. And bringing those hearts together. We talk a lot about the Luke one seventeen model that God's restoring the hearts, you know, he's restoring. We're seeing it all over the County, which is just incredible right yeah. now that that, restoration piece in the family. You talked about Audra. Yes. For our listeners, we haven't talked about Audra yet, but Audra's one of our homeschool mentors and she's actually on the show in a couple of weeks talking about some of the work she's doing. As you know, my heart is to get other churches involved in this process and rescue kids from the public indoctrination centers around us and especially in the state of California. So Audra's going to be on in a couple of weeks and tell us more about her work there. But uh, but we all need mentors. You know, I'm a big fan of the intergenerational mentorship model. So Reach out to somebody 10 years older than you, reach down to somebody 10 years younger, make sure you're receiving and you're pouring out as well. Hillary, what would you say are some of the main benefits you've seen of working in this model? When you think about your home, your children, your relationship with your children, their relationships with one another, what are some of the ways that you've seen God move in you and through you? Um, well, first and foremost, I've found that my children have fallen in love with school. Um, we have a history of going to public school up until um, I think my oldest daughter was in fourth grade, and uh, she actually came to a place where she stopped talking in class. She was afraid what people would think. They were um, not nice, and she thought it was the safest thing to just not talk anymore. So um, with that transition into, I would say, private school, it it stayed. We went from public to private and she stayed not talking. It was very interesting. I did notice on Sundays at church and any time a church event, she was a normal kid and she spoke normally with the other children. She didn't hide who she was. She was very comfortable. And so um, as we went into quarantine and uh, the homeschooling started, she was even afraid on the Zoom calls. It was so interesting. So as we transitioned over summer and we decided to go with Awaken Academy as our um, homeschool and do the co-op, um, I noticed her classroom 
engagement really changed. She was comfortable with the kids because it was a safe environment. She knew church was a safe environment. She knew um, everybody was understanding and loving and caring. So um, it was uh, quite amazing to see that transformation in her because now she's 12 and she's so confident. She, she That fear of what people think doesn't even exist in her anymore. Like it's just been so um, amazing how God has worked behind the scenes in that way and has really just freed her of a lot of um, what what man's opinion of her is or trying to get man's approval. And she's no longer a victim to that. And that's been beautiful. Um, like I said, my kids love school. Uh, we school days, we wake up and they are just excited to get ready, excited to see their friends. Um, They're excited to see what they're going to learn because the classroom environment is so engaging. We've, you know, like I said, broke off a lot of the the school secular structure and allowed them a place to be themselves and be engaged and answer questions and brainstorm and experiment and take analysis. And it's just been really, really amazing. Um, but they, it's grown our family dynamic at home. It's allowed us to be, gosh, just closer. We get to uh, believe in each other's abilities. We get to see God's giftings and anointings come alive. Um, and they've started to confide in me. Now I'm a friend. I'm part of their friend group. They include me in their silly, girly conversations, and I get to be in a different intimate relational place than just being mom and being the drill sergeant and and telling them what to do. We still have responsibilities and I still step into that place, but there's a grace now when it comes to our friendship and it's just a beautiful transformation that God has done in our home. Wow. I love that so much. I think about, you know, the dynamic learning environment you know, and, and all the research, obviously, for the academies is built on Gen Z methodology. Gen Zs are discoverers, are doers. They've had knowledge at their fingertips their whole lives. And then here we are in the public sector lecturing them for an hour. Ridiculous. Ridiculous K to college. It's a ridiculous methodology for Gen Zs. It's, it does not inspire them to want to learn. It's not a learner-driven model. And so when we build these academies and these systems where children are they're being fueled. Their curiosity is being engaged. They're hungry. And I hear this from parents all the time. Parents will tell me before in private or or public school, their kids didn't want to go to class and they would be late for school all the time. Now I hear parents all the time tell me an hour before school starts, their kids are ready. They're sitting at the door ready to go. And yes. It's parents who are getting out the door late. And so, you know, this is because we feel that curiosity. We talked a couple, a couple of weeks ago about the importance of curiosity and efficacy, efficacy being the, the ability, the understanding that we're able to do something, that sense of autonomy, and then curiosity. If we don't have both of those, we never develop intrinsic motivation. And think of all the kids today who are only extrinsically motivated, meaning we have to tell them to do something, that if we could just partner with that natural drive and curiosity that's in the hearts of children, rather than squelching it through lecture and other highly ineffective methods, uh, our students would be a lot better off. And that's, those are the models that we use in the academy system. And then you also talked about the shift of the heart and the friendship piece. And that, you know, I've said to listeners before, my 17-year-old daughter, I have her heart. My 23-year-old, my 23-year-old son, I have his heart. And that's not, a, that's not something a lot of parents can say. You look at a lot of parents and there's a, there's a lack of attachment. There's a misattunement between the parent and the child. And again, that Luke 117 model is restoring 
that God-given, that naturally-based attachment. And last week, we talked a little bit more about the biology of that attachment and oxytocin. We'll come back and talk a little bit more about that. But God's design is that we're attached to one another. And that attachment, uh, we talked a little bit, I think, about Drs. Nabor and um, Neufeld's book, uh, Why Parents Need to Matter More Than Peers. Hold on to your kids is the title and the subtitle, Why Parents Need to Matter More Than Kids. And that that's the peer-driven piece. So one of the things we do in the academy model is we have a, a limited number of days in the classroom and an expanded number of days in the home where there's a healthy balance between peer orientation and parent orientation. Most students today, most K-12 are more oriented toward their peers than toward their parents. And so obviously that's not a biblical model. <laughs> and our you know, peers are not equipped with the shoulders or the mantle to carry the challenges that kids have. And it could be a sounding board, certainly as they get older, but they're not equipped as parents. And the children that God has given us, he's given us the mantle of responsibility over. So I love that you brought up those two pieces, that dynamic learning engagement and the peer orientation. When you look at the bigger culture, how do you see a model like this? I mean, right now we've got almost 500 kids enrolled in Awaken Academies across the county. We've got four more churches starting similar programs this fall. Think about the impact. What are some ways that you see our local church cultures, our larger county culture being impacted when people step into this kind of a, a model of education? Um, well, it's definitely empowering our children. It's allowing them to be the world changers that God has actually planned them to be. Um, it allows all the limits to be taken off. Um, and um, we're able to really equip them and get them prepared for a lifestyle that's going to come against them. And so they're they're just able to influence in that way. They're able to be courageous and stand up and be the leaders that God has called them to be. And when you are that child, I mean, the other kids just flock to you. They really see like your independence, but but it's because you're depending on your father. And so it's it's just a beautiful thing to watch that catch on like wildfire. It's almost like infectious. And then the kids, like the power of God with their faith. I mean, anything is possible at that point. And we're really raising up the next generation to go out and bring revival to the nation. So it's, um, I mean, they're not only going to impact church, but they're going to impact government. They're going to impact the political sphere because they are natural born leaders. And it's easy, I think, to to trans like step into those realms when you're already doing it in the church and you have the body of Christ behind you. So it's um, I just know that uh, this generation we're just so so honored and blessed to 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 get to raise them up and really equip them to step into what God has for them. Yeah. So it's I, so exciting, and I think that whole piece of you know what you talked about earlier is we spend so much of our time uneducating our students, what they learned in the public yes. sphere. And now instead of being in a system where your beliefs and values are undermined every day and yeah. you have to come back and retrain your children, now we're putting all of that energy into fueling them, mm -hmm. into launching them into the future, into being industry disruptors. And, you know, alphas, which is the next generation yes. coming up 2010s and to 2025 being born in that era, um, they're already projected to be uh, really innovative in their education systems. They, like us, are just done with this rote memorization, this ridiculously disconnected method yeah. of education that's all around us. And pastors, if you're listening to this show, remember what Hillary's saying. This is a way that we can transform. We're not just 
we are, I mean, we're rescuing them from the public, sent, public school systems. Very, very important. But we're also giving them this whole new foundation that really does poise them, perfectly positions them to be able to take the, take the culture for the kingdom. And isn't that what we want as believers? You know, it's our responsibility to transmit the values uh, to preserve the scriptures from one generation to the next. And if we if we take a back seat, which is what's been happening in our country the last three decades, if we take a back seat, you know, here we are looking at the most atheist generation in the history of our nation. That didn't happen accidentally. You know, that was a strategic plan yes. um, on the enemy's behalf. And we have to we have to wake up, first of all, and then we have to step in. So again, if you're a local pastor, please reach out to me. Talk with me about how we can help you get your own either a church school or a homeschool program, a system that will help rescue students from public school indoctrination centers. Hillary, are there any other words of advice or words of wisdom, anything that you'd want to leave with our listeners? Just to revisit, um, the best decision I made was to put my kids first and just leaving leaving a legacy for them. If I don't pour into them and you know, it says, teach them in the way they shall go and they'll never stray. Well, that's my own translation, but it's it's written in my heart. And so I've been able to pour that into my children and um, whatever decision you make, and if it aligns with what God's will over our life is and what he, he has written in our books, then he's going to back you up 100%. He's going to go ahead. He's going to prepare the way and he is going to make sure that you are successful in it. And he's going to open those doors that you think are going to be closed. And he's going to provide the job where you get to work remotely at home. He's going to do those things. Just have faith in him and trust in him. And that has honestly been the key to making this work. So amazing. Well, so thankful for you and the fruit that you're bearing in your life, in your family's lives. Um, You've heard it right here. Hillary says God's going to provide. He's going to make way for you. And you're a walking testimony of that. Thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Such an honor. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. If you have questions about today's episode, or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, send your comments via Instagram to at Dr. Lisa Dunn or via email to contact at drlisadunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E.com. And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.